BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey guys, for any of you out there who have parents who want you to date someone Jewish, well, almost half of my guests so far have mentioned that they use J-Swipe. If you haven't heard of it, it's in New York, LA, Miami. If you want to date that French or Israeli guy, they have quality talent all around the world. And if you download the app for We Met at Acme listeners, they'll give you a free month of premium, which means that you can basically meet your soulmate. So just DM JSwipe now and you'll get everything you want. And my guest today is one of the best Jews in the game. So get excited. Listen up. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with my friend and the founder of The Big Quiet, which is a meditation community, Jesse Israel. Hey everybody, thanks for having me, Lenny. Thanks for being here. I'm so happy to finally have gotten you on here. I feel like you're like the busiest guy in town. Um, so tell us about yourself. How old are you and where are you from? 33 years old. I'm from Los Angeles, California. Um, I came out here when I was 18 to go to NYU, and I've been here ever since. Awesome. And what is your current relationship status? My current relationship status is slightly undefined. Mm -hmm. I've been seeing somebody for about three months, so we're at that that unclear point. Mm -hmm. We just had our first talk about what it meant, and um, we didn't land at anything, but just started talking about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. We'll revisit that. We will. Um, let's talk about the big quiet and about MediClub. Tell, tell everyone about what meditation means to you and kind of what, how this came about. Sure. So I used to run a record label. It was something that I started when I was a sophomore at NYU. My roommate and I signed the band MGMT and as they took off, we just had this really fun run doing this business, signing bands, eventually had a tech fund. And while I was in my twenties running that business, I was having panic attacks and experiencing a lot of anxiety. And that's actually how I got into meditation in my Mm -hmm. mid-20s. And it became this really powerful tool for me as I grew in the music and tech world and sort of started to make sense of what it meant to be a man. Having meditation was a really meaningful practice. Mm -hmm. And then about four years ago, it just felt like it was time to move on from that industry. Mm -hmm. And um, I made this this leap into the unknown, didn't know what I wanted to do next, Um, but just kind of opened myself up. I knew what I didn't want to do. And it was pretty scary, but I was following my gut, mm-hmm. and I, I really couldn't at that point um, mm-hmm. do anything about that. Right. So in my free time, I started organizing group meditations with friends from the music industry and friends from the tech world and the places I was partying at night. Yeah. This was about three years ago at that point. Mm-hmm. 
So there were people who were, um, you know, meditation was starting to become this. Where thing. were those? Like at your at home? They're at my they're at my friend's apartment in right. in Olita. Mm-hmm. And the first one was twenty people, and at it we meditated for twenty minutes. It was actually pretty awkward mm-hmm. to be with these people that I knew from like business and nightlife to just like all sit and quiet together. Right. And then I spoke up a little bit. I was pretty nervous, but I shared about where I was in my career, how I made this decision to leave my job. Right. And um, how I had no idea what was next. Mm. And it was at a time when, like, a lot of my close friends were, like, really crushing it with their businesses. So I was, like, social media was just, like, toxic thing. I was just comparing the shit out of myself to everyone else. You know, that whole thing. Yeah. So we started talking about it. And it became, um, it's kind of create a a space. It created a space for people to talk about other challenges as well. And um, the next month, we did the same thing. We meditated. We Mm -hmm. talked about real shit. We did it at my buddy's loft, and there was something about it that uh, just really resonated with people. Yeah. So to get you caught up to today, um, after about four or five months of having this monthly meetup of meditation and conversation, mm-hmm. um, we realized that we wanted to, there was an opportunity to bring those values to the rest of the city. So we partnered with the City Parks Foundation in New York, and we did a mass meditation at Central Park at Summer oh, Stage. Oh, wow. That was the first that one? That was the first big quiet, yeah. Awesome. About two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was great, you know, just that blend of quiet, honest conversation. And they were open to it? Like, they didn't say, like, you know, what is this? They were initially like, yeah, this is a great idea. Just the City Parks Foundation. The City Parks Foundation. I was, so because of my time in the music industry, I was mm-hmm. on the, the Arts Committee board. Oh. So I already had an in. Yeah, and they were at, You're they on were, so many boards. <laughs> they were looking Be for... Be friends like, with this guy. <laughs> they were looking for more creative cultural programming. Yeah. So I just made a pitch about it, and, mm-hmm. and they went for it. And it was cool. It was a risk that they took, but the city wanted it. Yeah, that's awesome. And how many have you do- have you done now? So our monthly Medi Club still happens. Mm-hmm. It's 250 people. It's in Greenpoint every month. Um, we've done big quiets. Uh, we've done a ton in the city. The last one was at Madison Square Garden. We did the Top of the World Trade Center before wow. that. We just did one last weekend at a, um, a music festival in Florida called Okeechobee, where mm. we were given the main stage, which is pretty sick. And we That's partnered really with cool. members from Arcade Fire and some of the singers from Local Natives and created something really special. Wow. And uh, now we got a tour in store for fall, where we're going to be bringing it to five awesome. cities. Yeah. That's really cool. How can how can people find out about it? Uh, the best way to find out about us is on Instagram, at mm-hmm. The Big Quiet. Mm-hmm. And we have a, we also have a website where people can sign up to, to learn about where we're going to be next. Awesome. And that's bigquiet.nyc. Cool. And has anyone ever met, like, to date at a meetup, at a meditation medi-club? What do you... Like, mm-hmm. met, like, two people they met there and they started dating or, like, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, accidentally. Obviously, it's not a matchmaking service, but has anybody met at, um, like and started dating as a result of being at Medi Club. Big time. Mm-hmm. I hear the, I hear about it quite often. Really? Yeah, it's great. Um, it's cool because people who go to our events are a particular person. Mm-hmm. They tend to be people who are interested in personal growth, mm-hmm. uh, like deeper connections. Mm. So it's kind of a self-selecting group that comes through. Right. So we've seen that a lot of single people come, and it's a good mm-hmm. way to meet people. And we've had people... Get engaged through our events too. People that have met at our events. There's, oh, a, there's wow. a wedding that's coming up. That's really in cool. a few months. They Are met. you going to marry them? Because I know you have your um, license. I do have my license. I'm not. I wasn't. I wasn't asked to marry them. Oh, okay. Fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's really awesome. Have you ever met anyone through it? Um, 
I have uh, a practice around not dating people that I meet through our events. Oh, yeah. Tell me more about that. Is it because something went awry? It uh, it pretty much my rule of thumb is if I meet someone at one of our events. Um, and there is, I feel like there's something there that can be explored that's real, that's not just like a sexual urge, mm-hmm. then I'll open up and take it very slow. Mm-hmm. So I've done that uh, with one person we wound up dating for several months, and mm-hmm. it was great, and we've you know stayed friends. Mm-hmm. But, um, and this was a really challenging transition for me, because right. when I worked in the music industry, and when I was in my late 20s, being like very single guy in New York City, mm-hmm. I was um, often quite careless with how I would follow my sexual urges. Oh, no so, kidding. <laughs> so going into this work, creating spaces where we're meditating and we're yeah. talking about, you know, real, honest, emotional right. stuff, it just felt really important to me to be very, very mindful of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's why I do that. That's awesome. And going back to your 20s, um, what was your experience with that? And, um, you know, just like from my knowledge of you as a friend, like you are very comfortable with yourself sexually. Um, did that start in your twenties? Did it start earlier than that? Um, great question. So no, it definitely has not always been the case. When Mm -hmm. I was in college, there are probably 10 times where I was with women that I wanted to have sex with, but Mm -hmm. couldn't get it up for because Mm -hmm. I was so in my head. Oh, and it wasn't until later on in my life where I actually started speaking about that where I where I learned how common that was for men oh, and how really? rarely men yeah. want to speak about that mm-hmm. um, but one of the big shifts for me with meditation was once I started once I had a practice that was able to help me get out of my head and get more into my mm-hmm. body and to start to pull stress out of my body one of the really awesome benefits which is not one that you hear about a ton right. was that I felt like I could be a lot more comfortable in my own body and feel a lot more comfortable sexually. So it wasn't until my mid twenties where I really felt like I could just be me with women. Do you feel like you're meditating during sex sometimes? No. Cause you just said like you have to get out of your head mm-hmm. and to get out of your head, you use meditation. So the, the style of meditation that I practice is not a, is not a practice designed to get you out of your head. Mm-hmm. It's actually, it's, it's more of a practice to allow your mind to settle and to be with your thoughts. Mm-hmm. If that means no thoughts show up, great. Or if that means thoughts are coming, to just be aware of them. Right. So I don't actually practice around removing thoughts from my head. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And what would you say is the difference between who you are now as a single person versus who you were in your 20s? Well, let's see. When I, when I really started to get comfortable with myself and dating in my mid-20s, mm-hmm. I went on this sexploration probably mm-hmm. the best way to call it um and i'd always been really interested in um self-help even mm-hmm. in like elementary school i was like counting like fat contents on my snacks and shit it was right. weird um so I've, I've always been really interested in like ways to better myself so mm-hmm. when i was in my 20s and sex became this thing that i started to become more excited to explore right i went i went ham on i went all in mm-hmm. um and this will get to your question about how I'm different between then and now. Right. So in my late twenties in my mid to late twenties, sex was really, it was like an experiment for me. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was like always doing research, mm. which was kind of cool, but also kind of went beyond the point right. of just like being present with a partner. Right. But in my late twenties, it was really about, um, for a little while there, it was about like 
how can I like learn all the different ways to help a woman achieve an orgasm? Right. And like I had a group of friends and we would just like all study stuff. We'd go to seminars. Um, you know, we do DVDs. We do like groups around it. Right. I was in like the orgasmic meditation community for nine months. And was that because you wanted to, you guys wanted to be like sex gods or like because you like genuinely cared about the women and wanted to please them or like what was the meaning behind like at the time just like wanting to be good at making a woman come i mean i, I think there was all those things like, yeah like there's no way that we weren't drawn to it because of our egos to some extent right um but what was really cool one of the positives of being in that experience with my group of guy friends single guy friends was it did shift the way that we talked about women like when we would go out and have dinner as a group we were we were we were communicating about sex in a way that we had never experienced before. It wasn't just like, yo, did you fuck her? Did you do this? Did you do that? Right. We were really like exchanging notes and talking about bodies. Right. Now, we became, um, I think, and this is like a really awesome part of our life, but I think we became like hyper-focused mm. on performance, mm. which I later learned, we can get into that now or later, but through some really interesting experiences, I, I later learned that just being hyper-focused on performance kind of defeated the point of sex mm-hmm. for me at least and yeah let's explore that now so what should you be concerned with during sex if not performance well to answer that i'm, I'm going to give you like my quick evolution of like how i got to where i am today and i'm still very much in like student mode right. but i do feel like i've made progress mm-hmm. and that actually was how i got into this in the first place was how i feel different today compared to then mm-hmm. and to quickly answer that first today yeah. i feel a lot more present when I'm with my partner sexually, mm. whereas in my 20s, I was all performance-based. Right. And when I was in my early 20s, I couldn't get out of my head, I couldn't even get it up, mm-hmm. right? So like, it's like being in my 30s, I've, I've allowed myself to start to just be in the experience of sex. Mm. And that's still actually quite challenging for me, mm-hmm. but it's been a, a big improvement since then. But mm-hmm. to answer the question before that, uh, once I started getting into like the sex exploration stuff with my buddies, um, and it was all about like mechanics. It mm-hmm. was all about tips and tricks and right. like using your tongue and your finger a certain way. And there was actually a book that I think is really powerful. I don't know if it's ever come up she comes on the first. show. She comes first. Amazing. You guys talked about it yet? On the no, show? please. I, I've heard of it, but tell tell everyone what's it about. She comes first is a great book. Um, it's written by Ian Kerner. He's like a he's a New York Times sexologist, mm-hmm. a very respectable author. The first hundred pages of that book are about female anatomy. And it's written in a very tasteful way. It was recommended to me by women in their 30s who read it and learned a lot about their vaginas. Mm. So reading that was really, that's, it's really informative. Mm-hmm. The next 100 pages are technical. It's like, it's how a person can use their lips, their tongue, their right. gums, their fingers to put it all together in what's like a cunnilingus Bible. Wow. And, it's, and, it's, and the author openly speaks about how I think his thing was like he had erectile dysfunction mm-hmm. and wasn't so really able to. to yeah, yeah, he like really that went in thing. on how to go down on his partner. Right. So he created this book around it, and that became the Bible for my my buddies and I in our in our mid late twenties. Was just like we were just really into going down on women. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, resources like that were really great for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, we got into uh, like Taoist. Uh, Taoist sexual energy movement stuff where um and I play with these things sometimes now but like Kama Sutra? 
uh, a little different. Uh The Taoist practices that that I got into and that my buddies and I were exploring had more to do with under really understanding male anatomy, Mm. really trying to make sense of um, the male orgasm and understanding that an orgasm and ejaculation can be two separate um, physiological experiences that an orgasm can occur without an ejaculatory response for a man leading to an, ex- an orgasmic experience that's more similar to the way that women orgasm cyclical right. so not not completely depletive and i would say the opposite is like when a girl squirts or something but doesn't have an orgasm right i i don't i don't i'm not sure i don't i can't speak to like <laughs> right. anatomically if right. that's like an, right. an actual comparison but but you know what i mean <laughs> i see where you're going with it you know from my experience of talking yeah. to women right that that have experienced ejaculatory orgasm, yeah. right? Very limited, right? I'm not like no no claims on this. I've heard that it's not as depletive mm. as what my understanding is of ejaculating as a man. That's right. very that that takes a lot of energy. And when you say depletive, you mean it, your gone. boner is gone? Not boner gone necessarily, because I mean I've I've had a, I've ejaculated before and stayed really hard, right? But if my body has felt really Drain. And this Taoist stuff that I'm talking about, it all comes from this mindset, right? This is an Eastern practice. And the mm-hmm. belief is that when you ejaculate, when you release millions of sperm, mm-hmm. your body is using the maximum output of energy in any, at any single moment, more mm-hmm. than running, more than digesting food, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're preparing to create life. So what happens right. in that moment is a big blast of energy. So what happens afterwards is uh you're tired you want to go you're fucking tired yeah you know and so so the Taoist practice looks at how you can conserve Mm. that energy while still experiencing sexuality in your body so they really look at practices that allow you to experience orgasm and pleasure without ejaculating so which is tell me i was actually just seeing a doctor about uh, last week i was Last week I went, I was at the doctor because I ha- I was like getting some pressure in my prostate area or like my perineum area, which is also known as the taint. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> <Or> the grundle. <laughs> and I was, I was legitimately talking to doctors like, yeah. I wonder if this has something to do with the, most of the time when I masturbate, I don't ejaculate. I'm just like mm. cycling sexual energy. Right. My dad has this theory that it's really bad for me. And it doesn't sound so good. <laughs> I gotta tell you. Sounds a little unhealthy. <laughs> so I was talking to the doctor about yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, she thought it sounded cool. She said that uh, she didn't think it had any direct issues. But what's great about that practice is it does allow the like the pleasure and the and the, the sexual experience and pleasure to be extended. Mm-hmm. Um, how healthy that is in the West? Slightly debatable right now. Right. But to get it back to what you said. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wait, but then uh, when you do ejaculate, is yeah. it more? Is it like a lot It's less more? depleted. This is what's really interesting about it. So oh, like, you're... Okay, less. So yeah. so the an experience that I, that I might have mm-hmm. it, with a partner is when I feel like I'm going to ejaculate, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll slow my body down, I'll breathe in a certain way, mm. and then I'll sort of like really reground into the moment with the person, and I'll feel like a mini orgasm in my body. My body will shake and contract like an orgasm without ejaculating. Mm. And then and then that will hap- that may happen again a few minutes later. Right. And let's say by the fourth or fifth, that would be like a really that takes a lot of like focus and right. like really being in my body. It's not I'm not this isn't happening every time I fuck. Right. But the fourth or fifth time of having these mini orgasms, if I finally do ejaculate, 
it's um it's the pleasure is very strong and i feel way less depleted afterwards i actually feel a lot more energized Mm. so are you sure you're not like ejaculating little tiny things that can happen sometimes like sometimes i'll like i'll edge it Right, there's like right. the practice of edging. Is like you'll uh-huh. edge like a little right. too far, and like some you'll release a little bit. Right. And sometimes you'll have a reverse ejaculation where you like ejaculate into your body. No, and no, no, and it's no, not, no. It's not. It's not. A, it's not happens? a chill feeling for sure. What? And then it's like you're 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 done. Really? It's like yeah, you're done. <laughs> to every guy. I can't speak to for every guy, but like yeah. that was <laughs> that was spoken about in some of these practices and books that i got yeah. into and i've experienced it before like it's like if, if you're really holding it back right would it be like the feeling of no it definitely wouldn't be like ultimate blue balls yeah wow not too chill yeah <laughs> but anyway yeah. to, to get fully caught up right. to, your, to your question before after going through a lot of those experiences mm-hmm. my buddies and i found our have you talked about orgasmic meditation on the podcast oh no, please bring it bring it to light well it would be really good to have a, an expert from that community speak to it because i'm like n- by no means a representative to speak on behalf of it but i'll speak right. about my own experience mm-hmm. please do. my buddies and i landed like from the single crew mm-hmm. landed in an orgasmic meditation uh, uh weekend seminar uh-huh. It's an eight-hour course. Where do you find out about these things? These things used to get sent to me back in the day when yeah. I was really into this stuff. People would hear about shit. They'd send it my way. They'd uh-huh. be like, Jesse, I think you'd like this. Right, right. And then I would rally the guys, right. and we would all go. That's amazing. <laughs> so we showed up to this one, and we thought that we were going to be getting into a um, some sort of workshop around you know enhancing our orgasm skills, right. which is what we were really interested in at the time. <laughs> But what we learned about was a practice that exists between two people who may not be um, in, a, in a sexual relationship or a romantic relationship, mm-hmm. two people who may not um, have any sexual experience with one another besides the act of orgasmic meditation, which is very gently stroking a woman's clit for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. No more, no less. And um, this really blew our minds because we couldn't imagine what it would be like to like practice something with a person with a woman that involved touching their genitals without our genitals being touched right right without us getting something i'm doing what did they say the reasoning was like behind not being touched but just touching the woman um it sounded kind of crazy at the the time but it actually made a lot of sense once Uh we started practice once i started practicing it um it is more meditative. It's actually an energy exchange. This is where it sounds a little weird and you kind of have to like experience it to like mm-hmm. understand it. Because I feel like you have to be like kind of a selfless lover in order to be turned on by touching someone else for 15 minutes. It's so this is this is this is what it is. Yeah. My experience, I'm not turned on at all. Mm. When I practice orgasm meditation, and to be clear, when I did this in this, I was in this community for nine months. I had maybe eight different orgasmic meditation partners. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't intimate beyond this practice with one of them i didn't kiss one of them i never saw one of their breasts i just rubbed all their clits (laughs) and they were they were most of them were women that i wouldn't date i wasn't sexually interested in Uh but through this practice there was something really powerful about connecting bringing our bodies to such a present place fully removing the outcome of the experience where you're Mm -hmm. just in it like you're just you're feeling the touch you're Mm -hmm. feeling the energy of the person you're sharing this experience it's it's trippy and i ultimately 
it was a little bit much. The community was a bit much for me. Right. So, so I, I stopped going to the events. But what was so powerful about learning this practice was it was really the first time where I started to become clear about the fact that I was so out, I was so outcome oriented when I was having mm-hmm. sex. It was either like like thinking about my stat teacher from junior year in high school so yeah. I wouldn't come mm-hmm. or putting all my energy into doing all these things to try to make the woman come. And what was so cool about the orgasmic meditation experience was it really helped me just be present in the moment, just to focus on pleasure regardless of what happens or doesn't happen. That's still a tough thing to stick to, but Mm -hmm. was a really powerful turning point for me. That's really awesome. That's really cool. I'm just taking that in for a second. (laughs) It's a lot. What would you say to someone who would say like that, that is like a sex cult essentially? A sex cult? Yeah, like if someone were to call that a sex cult. The orgasmic meditation community? Um, I would, I mean, the cult word gets tossed around with my work too, so I understand that that people have, you know, preconceived ideas Mm -hmm. around people gathering around a shared belief system. Um, I mean, I, I respect people's opinions. I yeah. wouldn't personally try to argue that. Right. It's, it's not. I mean, from mm-hmm. my own experience, it's not. Right. I could totally see why people would think that. Yeah. And have you ever been... Does it sound like a sex cult to you? No. I mean, it sounds like a learning experience. Yeah. Like, it sounds like some women who can't orgasm, they go to a class, and a woman, like, basically teaches you how to, like, rub yourself a certain way. You know? It's, like, the same kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, like exploring sex and learning more and sometimes when you do that you're physically touching each other Mm -hmm. Um, which leads me to my next question which is have you ever been to like a sex club Um, there are some high-end clubs that we were actually talking about at touchpoint this week um, and it's it like a lot of people really liked it so what do you what do you think have you ever been there or I've never I've been invited Mm -hmm. several times to some of the sex parties I have a couple friends who are really into it. Mm-hmm. They're in partnerships. They mm-hmm. have primary partners and they practice polyamory and they go to these sex parties. It does not appeal to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd probably be cool to go as an experience just, just to have that experience and right. to like, you know, soak it up and mm-hmm. follow the rules. But um, it doesn't speak to me. It, like, I think part of that also is just right now in my life, I'm, I'm, I, I think I'm drawn to, to more... To less intense social experiences mm-hmm. and a party, which is already a lot of energy, plus like everybody interested right. in doing shit with each other, just sounds like a lot. Mm-hmm. That's fair. <laughs> what about you? Um, I've never been to one, and I've never been invited to one. So I'm feeling that might change soon. Maybe it will. We'll see. <laughs> um, it would be research, obviously. Um, <laughs> and also, you don't have to participate in these. Yeah, events. that's totally yeah. true. You can just you observe. can just go and observe, um, which is which is really great. Um, so going back to your current partnership, um, mm. can I call it a partnership? A figuring out ship? Yeah. Okay. Um, how did you guys meet? We met, uh, let's see, we, initially we met through a work, a work event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, do you know her Zodiac sign? Oh. Do you know when she was born? Yeah, in May, but I don't know her actual birthday. Beginning or end? I don't know. I have no idea. I just mm. know it's May. Okay. Well, let's talk about yours. Okay. 
Um, you're a Scorpio. Yep, November and 8th. November 8th. Um, do you know anything about being a Scorpio? You're our first Scorpio on the pod. Okay. Uh, really? Yeah. Wow. What an I honor. I think, right? Well, so, do you know anything about the personality traits of a Scorpio? Only a little bit, mainly from what you've told me. Which is? Um, intense. Yeah. Passion-driven. Yes. Uh, and dark side, like shadow side. Yeah, definitely. Um, Maybe a little fiery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Tell me more. Do you? Uh, yeah. So all of the above. Um, Scorpios are they like love passionately and they hate passionately. They're very like expressive. Um, we are neighboring signs, so we're right next to each other. So we share some personality traits. Mm-hmm. Um, and. You know, you actually said this earlier about being in your head. That's definitely a Scorpio thing as well. But we do, we would have to find out your rising and moon sign, which is based on the time of the time you were born. Okay, do you I know, know that. If, yeah. Oh, you do. I do. Oh, let me just quickly check it out. Okay, let's see. So your rising sign is how other people view you. Hmm. and um, like how you come off to the outside world and your moon sign is like kind of like your second personality it's like how you communicate oh wow it makes so much sense so you're a rising Gemini and your uh, moon is in Taurus and whoever you're dating is either a Gemini or a Taurus because they're born in May so that's a good thing for Mm. you just so you know Okay, thanks, Lynn. Yeah, no problem. Um, <laughs> your your rising Gemini makes you so curious. It's like why everything is so exciting and fascinating to you. Um, your ideas are maternalized into reality. You have immense thirst of knowledge and interest in several issues in combination with the search of new information. Um, and that makes out your character and your ambition, which is very true about you. And your moon is in Taurus which makes you even-tempered, calm, and sober-minded, practical, and level-headed, which is so true, almost almost annoyingly so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so let's talk about religion for a second, mm-hmm. and then we'll get to this next poll. Um, do you care... Uh, first of all, what's your religion? Your last name is Israel, so I have a guess, but you tell me. Yeah, I, I was raised Jewish, uh-huh. and I, I consider myself to be Jewish, but pretty mm-hmm. open to other stuff, too. And is this important to you when you're dating? Or finding the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. An, a, another Jewish person? Yeah. That's religion. not important to me. Mm-hmm. What is important to me is an interest in spirituality of mm-hmm. some sort. Okay. That makes sense. And so then that leads me to my next question, which is if you're Jewish, is it a, is it a deal breaker for you if someone isn't Jewish? And for you, it's not. Not a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. And I guess that next one doesn't matter. If it were a deal breaker, would that be because it's something you care about or because your parents care? Well, my parents wouldn't. It's in my situation. It's kind of hard to say because the reason why it's not a deal breaker is because, because your parents my, don't care. It's my parents don't care, and I don't care. Mm. I mean, my parents care. My parents would be stoked if I was if I if, right. I, if it was a Jewish person. Right. My parents care a lot more about Judaism than I do. Mm-hmm. That's really important to them, but not to the point where I wouldn't date somebody. Yeah, and you have a sister. Right? I have a sister. And is it the same? Same goes for her, or they want her to more so end up with a Jew. Uh, same amount of of open space to explore. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. And she's she's drawn to non Jews. Aren't we all? 
Um, if you were, uh, and this, this we might cut out. I'm just saying that before as a note to myself. But if you were a few months into dating someone mm-hmm. and they still had dating apps on their phone, what would you do about that? Would you care? Would you ask them to delete them? A few months in, if I if I hadn't had a conversation with the person, you yet had about, had a conversation. Okay, yeah. I, the, tell me what the conversation was. The conversation was, um, we are uh, dating, and you are my boyfriend, and I'm your girlfriend, and we're exclusive with each other. Okay, mm-hmm. so if we if, we're ha- if we have the boyfriend girlfriend talk, yeah. and we're exclusive with each other, and the person still has dating apps on their phone, I would one hundred percent bring it up mm-hmm. and be not stoked about it. Right. Yeah, but I would I would open it to a conversation before jumping to conclusions, mm-hmm. which I try to do. Mm-hmm. We actually you're you one ask, of the first. <laughs> no reason at all. <laughs> you're one of the first um, guys that has ever brought up therapy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, actually, so I guess now I'll tell our story. So Jesse and I met like. How many years ago was it now? Six? I was you were twenty nine, I think. Really? It was yeah. only four years ago? Feels like it was yeah. longer. I know. No, I you were twenty eight. You were twenty eight. Okay, I was twenty. Yeah, you were twenty eight. That makes sense. And I was what, twenty three? Mm-hmm. I'm not good at math. Yeah, I think I was twenty three. Or twenty two. Maybe even 22, because that was, like, your type around then. <laughs> um, 23 would have been too old. <laughs> um, but we met on Tinder. It had just um, come out. Yep, just dropped. Just dropped, and we were, like, in the beta Tinder. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, not creepy guys and dick pics yet. Um, and we met on Tinder. We didn't meet up. I remember... What was the first message? The first message message wait, was wait. two waves. Yeah, from me. Yeah, from you. And then two I said hand emoji. hand two hand emojis. emojis. Um, and I said, "Is that a wave or a slap or something like that?" That's right. Yeah, I liked that. And you were like, "It's both." <laughs> <laughs> um, and the rest was history. Um, what happened from there? Okay. So Tinder is where we met, and it was like in beta at the time. And you did the two waves. I said, is that a slap or a wave? And you said both. And then we talked for like a month before meeting up, which is unheard of. I was traveling. Yeah, yeah, of course. But I'm just saying like in this world, you know, like for people meeting up on dating apps, it's over if if it's like been more than a, a second. 24 I feel hours. Like, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I stuck it out because like I was new to the dating app world. Um, and we That's ended the only up... reason why you stuck it out? Yeah, the only reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you sounded normal enough. Um, and then we ended up meeting up. We went to Burger Heaven. No, no, no. Burger Joint. Yep. Burger Joint was our first date. And uh, I had lost my voice. So I couldn't speak to you out loud. And I had to write on a piece of paper to talk to you. So cute. It was really it was, cute. It was movie stuff. It was movie stuff. Um, and now we're engaged. So <laughs> anyone can meet on Tinder. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> this beautiful rock. Um, no, it it, uh, it didn't work out, but we uh, maintained a beautiful friendship. Which well, how do you how do you define it didn't work out? I mean, oh. we had a good we had a good run. Oh yeah, we had a yeah, great had run. A run. I mean, it did, didn't work out. It means like we're not married. Like, right, right, like right. it's like you know, no relation. Every relationship usually fails because you're only meant to be, or not only meant to be, but you only really end up with one person, right? So it's like, 
it's not that it failed or, you know, it didn't work out, but it just, we weren't the perfect romantic fit for each other. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean. Well, this, this gets right into what we talked about that night mm -hmm. when we were talking about other people that we had been with. Right. I think this is directly related to that. Yeah. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's get okay. into it. So to me, that comment mm -hmm. has a lot to do with um, masculine and feminine polarity in right. people. Right. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Okay. So the like my theories on this mm -hmm. come from really just other people's writings. Right. The one the one author who speaks about this most prominently mm -hmm. is David Data. Mm -hmm. He wrote a, a really interesting book called The Way of the Superior Man, which I really recommend for all people to read. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd say that the the my quick interpretation of his mindset as it relates to what you just said mm -hmm. is that all people have masculine and feminine qualities or right. energies or essences within them. Right. And he really looks at masculine and feminine, not as man and woman, mm. but as masculine and feminine. Yeah. And that some people have more of a feminine essence than a masculine. Some have more of a masculine than a feminine. Right. It happens that more men than women have more masculine than feminine, more women than men have more feminine than masculine. But we definitely know that I have masculine energy. <laughs> and by the way, I'm only wearing pink because I was forced to. And normally I'd be wearing a sweatshirt. I tried to wear a sweatshirt and they told me no. Um, what, I, yeah. what I was going to say was we, we probably know mm -hmm. people that are the exception of the majority, right? Yeah. So a woman, like you, you just said, right. that you identify, often identify with mm -hmm. more masculine energy than feminine energy more right. than your woman. So what you just said was something that I think plays a lot to these energetic polarities in people. Right. Um, because, so the example that you just gave of like a man, you reaching out to a man as a woman, reaching right. out to a man and saying, hey, you know, in so many words, would you like to fuck? Right. And your concern for that man to go, um, how dare you just want to fuck me? Right. That's so, so fascinating, I think, to say out loud. <laughs> right. Because... Because what we're used to seeing in society, I would say, right. is the reverse, mm -hmm. right? Is like a man doing that and maybe a woman having that experience. I think it's mm -hmm. actually really beautiful that you can speak to that and show that it's, that's not always the way that it goes. Right. But I do think that in the situation, the example that you gave, someone, a man with more of that feminine energy mm -hmm. uh, or maybe more of, more of an, an emotional essence mm -hmm. when it comes to this stuff would, would be more likely to react that way. Right. And someone with more of a masculine essence wouldn't. Mm -hmm. So I answer that question really through looking at who you're talking to, right. what type of personality they have, and really how they show up. Right. And, and I think part of yeah. why we actually didn't work out in a in a in a longer way is it's because, because we're both masked. Because we both. I mean, we both have both. I mean, yeah. I talk a lot about my feelings. Yeah. You know, like a lot of my work is me being in my feminine. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I have. I feel like I have more of a masculine you essence. You do. You have a lot of feminine feminine energy as well. But I think ultimately, you just pass the line a little bit with yeah, masculine. Yeah. No, of course. And and when it, when it comes to this guy David Data's work, yeah. which I think is so brilliant most mm -hmm. of the time, it's all about polarity. It's about it's about finding the polar opposites. Right. So I think that we had a little bit of a little bit of the similarity and energy, which right. created us to bump heads a lot. I well, agree. not a lot, but sometimes. Yeah, no. And I that agree. Uber moment yeah. was that, in my opinion. Yeah, 100% that. 100% that. 100% <laughs> that. It's funny. Actually, going back to that Uber thing, um, just to, like, die... What's the... Not digest, like... Um, dissect? Dissect this a little bit. I, uh, 
so I thought that you, so it actually wasn't because I wanted to be like an independent woman. Okay. Initially, I think there was a miscommunication about whether or not I was going to spend the night. Oh, interesting. And, um, I, I think whether or not you remember or, um, will admit, I think you did want me to spend the night. Okay. Um, or assume that I was going to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I, I uh, definitely assumed that you were yeah, going to. Yeah. And uh, when I, you know, brought up the Uber um, and, like, you know, getting myself an Uber and you insisted on getting it, to me it wasn't um, I'm a strong independent woman. It was, like, you – it was, like, trying a power move on your end. Like, she oh, wants to leave, so let me make her leave right now so I can regain the power in this situation you know what i mean so i'm gonna tell her when she's leaving if she wants to leave right you know what i'm saying i definitely know what you're saying so that was my that was why i reacted that way and it's funny because i think that my reaction maybe some of it came from that but more Mm -hmm. of where my reaction came from was actually something that i don't think really applies to you Mm -hmm. at all um which is a place that i go to sometimes where if i just like straight up we met up had Mm -hmm. a quick slice of pizza had sex right. and then parted ways and there's this right. there is a thing in me mm-hmm. even though you fully kind of led the charge on that there's right. a thing in me that feels guilt around that experience mm. which is i think something that i'm learning to right. grow past right. um i i actually noticed that about you back in the day like yeah. you would get me an uber to leave your apartment from brooklyn but that's also because i couldn't take the subway even though i'm from <laughs> that that may be different but in, yeah. in regards to, to this to this moment sure. that we're talking mm-hmm. about there's this part of my brain that's like this this woman like came all the way out here right like we just like shared intimately but like very briefly right not to say that it was like super fast or anything yeah (laughs) (laughs) and now she's taking off like i want to at least like support the process Mm -hmm. that was my mindset but there probably was some of that power stuff yeah yeah for sure yeah i'm psychic (laughs) no just kidding um yeah, so, so going back to female and uh, to masculine and feminine energy, so w- what's the person that I need and the person that you need? Um, you said that my energy is somewhat female but mostly masculine. Um, so I would need a male who has somewhat masculine energy but is mostly feminine, right? I'm, n- I'm no expert in this. Mm-hmm. Let me be real clear about that. Yeah, but from right? what you've learned. From like, from like my... my I don't think I have any way to say exactly what you need. Mm-hmm. From my own experience, I've found that the relationships that fit best for me are when I'm with someone with the polar opposites of what I have. Mm-hmm. So if I have more masculine energy, but some feminine energy, finding a woman that has more feminine energy, but some masculine energy mm-hmm. tends to be a good fit. There's a million other factors. Right. I'm drawn to women who um, show up in their masculine through drive Mm. through um being not afraid to push me and challenge me to like really like do what i'm here to do on this earth right mm-hmm. it's like push me to give my gifts right you know um but ultimately and, and i like how the masculine shows up in women in that way but mm-hmm. ultimately i really like women who can just sur- just surrender into their feminine who just like after a long day just like want to be held want to be taken care of mm-hmm. I love giving that to, to a partner. Mm-hmm. That to me is really attractive. Mm-hmm. And of course we can switch and that's really nice as well. Um, so just, you know, being clear about how that polarity fits into some of the things that feel good in a dynamic is really good for me. So like right. to help you identify what the right fit is, because yeah. you just asked about, I would want to talk you through some of so the things funny, that you're drawn you to. So funny, you say like coming home from work and wanting to be held, like that's the last thing that I want when I come <laughs> home from work. 
like the last thing I would yep, ever want that's right. is someone touching me at the end of my fucking day. Like holding me fucking prisoner in their arms. <laughs> like I would go nuts. But would, I would you go say nuts. Lynn, would you say that yeah. you that you tend to date men who maybe want that from you and they get yes, back from work? Absolutely. Yeah. But we yeah. But do, but let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Does it appeal to you? To when when you're in a in a dynamic where you're dating a man who's maybe more feminine than masculine in his essence, mm-hmm. and and you come home from work, and you're like in your masculine workplace, sure, and that man is in that emotional place of just like really wanting like you to spend time with them and take yeah. care of them. And help you. Does it appeal to you to give that to the person? I know you don't want it given to you, but does it appeal to you at all to give that to the person? Yes, it does. It does. Really interesting. Right. So, and it actually kind of reminds me of something that you said earlier about other relationships that we were talking about. Right. So I always have to remind myself that the way that I would do something in a relationship right. and, the, and what I want in a relationship is different than the other person. Mm-hmm. As much as I always, and this is, I think this is a very, dare I say, masculine trait, right. to, to think that our partner should be doing it just like we should. Mm. I think that that's a very... Um, because you know very rational I have that very rational way whereas whereas with you know someone of of a different essence it can Mm -hmm. often be emotional not as rational so do you enjoy going down on a girl like I know that we talked about it before and it's like about the like you know obviously pleasuring pleasuring her but do you actually like enjoy the act because I know a lot of girls don't enjoy giving head but they do it anyway Mm mm-hmm yeah, I, I find it to be incredibly um, sexy and mm-hmm. enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And it's like fully part of like my fantasy process when thinking about wanting to be with someone or thinking back on being with someone. Mm-hmm. And to me, to, to share that with a woman before we have sex, mm-hmm. uh, before we have intercourse, before we fuck, mm-hmm. um, is, is, it's such a great way to lead into it, I feel, right. because it incorporates so many of the senses. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I love being able to, like, taste someone there. I love being able to smell someone there. I love mm-hmm. being able to feel someone there and, like, see how their body moves. And right. It's such an intimate way to, like, introduce mm-hmm. a sexual experience between two people. So just from, like, a sensory experience alone, I love it. Right. And I just think that it's... Um, it's really, to me, it really turns me on mm-hmm. when a woman surrenders to me. Mm-hmm. And, like, for a woman to, like, lay down, like, spread her legs and just, like, reveal, mm-hmm. you know, her, like, most intimate part to my face right. is a really ultimate act of surrendering. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really sexy. Um, I have something that, well, sorry. Yeah, ahead. no, no, please. I like, I like when the guest, like, flips the switch well, and just says the question. Um, I noticed that you, on the break mentioned that you were getting cramps mm-hmm. so i'm just wondering do you talk about periods on the show um that's a great question we we don't really talk about periods we've talked about period sex um and like if if women and men still like to have sex when they're on their periods mm-hmm. um and i actually found it interesting most women didn't but i need to have sex when i'm on my period most so. women said that they didn't like to mm-hmm. wow yeah I was pretty taken aback. Hmm. Yeah. And and actually it's very like around it? it yeah, and it's hit or miss with guys. Like guys either don't care at all or they're so horrified. Mm. What's your stance? 
Well, the reason why I bring it up mm-hmm. is because I never really thought about periods much mm. um, until, so my, my former work partner, someone named Lauren Billy, mm-hmm. and some friends just started this um, oh, organization. Oh, I saw it on Touchpoint. Touchpoint just posted yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was actually going to ask you, tell me about it. Yeah, I think I feel like your listeners would like it a lot. Actually, yeah. they would. Be, the women who run it would be good to. Be I was on just the gonna show. say, please yeah, tell sick. Lauren. Yeah. But um, it's called Cycles and Sex, and, and it's 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 a it's a company designed to create content and events to help people better understand their bodies, mm. spe- specifically around reproductive health. Mm-hmm. And while it's for men and women, it's really geared towards, um, I would say, towards women to help them better understand what's wow. going on in their bodies. Mm. Um, but it's really interesting to me because it's opened me up to this whole world of reproductive health. Right. As someone who, like, I don't even know if I did sex ed when I was younger. If I did, I don't remember it. Right. But um, understanding how periods work, like, as a man, understanding how periods work, understanding mm-hmm. how, like, I came into this world. Right. Understanding the cycle. This is actually the first time the person that I'm dating now, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm, I track, we're tracking her cycle together so I can mm-hmm. like really make sense of how she shifts emotionally, mm-hmm. how her body changes based on where she's at in the month. That's, you and know, it's really, it's been, it's just been like, I'm just like, how did I not know this shit for 33 years of my life? Yeah. So I just thought it'd be, it's, it's cool to mention that. And on top of that, I, I do think that periods are, are really sexy and it makes sense. I mean, it's such a hormonal release. You just brought up a great point, which is like, how involved should a guy, should a man be in his, in his partner's like period cycle? And right now it's zero to negatives. Right. Like, yeah, no, no man is like involved whatsoever. And it's like this like horror movie that the woman goes through, like completely by herself. And like, she has to like, let a guy know if she's like PMSing or if she's like feeling bloated and like, he won't understand that or like little things. And it would just be such a better world and like a, an easier world for women if we were able to communicate that better. Like if we were able to say, sorry, I can't do that because I'm feeling fucking disgusting. Mm-hmm. I have my mm-hmm. period instead of like coming up with all these excuses. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, that would be great. And I, I think part of what I think is really cool about mm-hmm. this conversation right. and also Cycles and Sex is the way that that starts to happen mm-hmm. is 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 through communication around this topic, right. which, for, you know, for whatever reason, is just like, we don't, it's not something that we really talk about. Right. It's, but it's weird because it's this critical part to how we exist. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, so what, what exactly is cycles and sex though? Like, is it something, is it like a newsletter that tells you about your period? Is it right now? It's, um, a series of events. They've done a couple. I think mm-hmm. they've done two so far. They're like, it's like a, it's like a, an experiential conference mm-hmm. where there's workshops, talks, and like product playing with products mm-hmm. around reproductive health and sexuality. Awesome. And they do a really great job of branding it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have, I think, one of the strongest Instagrams in the game. That's um, awesome. I'm going to follow it right now. Cycles and Sex. It's so informational and provocative. And um, I think really important stuff. I love that. Plug. <laughs> and what do you think about like taking care of yourself when you're in a relationship? Do you think that you like take care of yourself just as much as when you're single? Do you do it less? Do you like indulge and kind of gain a little bit? Hmm. It's a good question. Uh, 
I, I definitely in my looking looking on my past and in relationships, I definitely find that I um, I'll fall off track a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a while since I've been in a serious relationship, right. so I can't really speak to it. But yeah, I have a ten. You know where where I notice it most is I lose my but I lose my charge to be social. Mm. You know, like I find that when I'm in a serious relationship. I don't have the same drive to go out. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's to do with the partners. Maybe that's something else. I'm not sure. But right. being social and like being out there, like mm-hmm. stepping out of my comfort zone socially, that those are really important ways for me mm-hmm. to take care of myself because they right. like keep me energized and right. stimulated. So that's probably one way that that shifts for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. So so like if if I saw you and you were like you know a few pounds over normal, I would assume that you're in a happy new relationship. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, seriously, you are, like, your body is great. But if you did want to bulk up, I've been trying this thing called Beach Body On Demand. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. It's really cool. Um, I've been trying this one class called 21 Day Fix. And it's just, like, if I'm feeling like I'm going to go on vacation soon or just, like, feeling groggy about myself when I look in the mirror, um, I take this class. And uh, it's pretty It's pretty legit. Yeah, I would highly recommend it. Would you call it world class? I sure as fuck would Um, It's definitely world class And uh, you can get a free trial If you text ACME To 303030 So you should do that after the uh, recording What are you trying to say? I'm saying that you should text ACME To 303030 Thanks for the prompt Um, So As we were um, uh, So are you, how do you text with girls? Are you are you like embarrassed to respond right away? I know you have your read receipts on, which is like not my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because it's like you want me to know that you read it and didn't respond, or like you want me to know like that you haven't read it in five hours. But either way, no one's happy about a read receipt, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I see what you're saying. I have read receipts on so to help people. So I'm just really, I'm intentionally, oh, let me say, I respond to text messages very slowly. Mm-hmm. And I kind of treat my texts like my email inbox. Mm-hmm. I sit down and do them in batches. Like mm-hmm. I'll probably do my text from like, I don't know, 2 p.m. until now when I'm on the subway later. Mm-hmm. I like to do them in batches. Mm-hmm. So I turn my read receipts on to help people understand that I just, to like create a precedent for the fact right. that I respond slowly because mm-hmm. definitely with dating, it, it becomes an issue. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had women get pretty offended about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I have my read receipts on. In regards to my own style of texting, you know, I used to be so into game, into like, game mm-hmm. that was pre-sex exploration I was all about pickup artist work and right. all of this all like the getting to the psychology of right. um, wooing people mm-hmm. and I've been I feel like for the past couple of years I've been trying to get that out of my system because mm-hmm. so much of what I used to practice what I learned was like not me right. it was like it was you know games to try to like right. almost trick someone into being mm-hmm. interested so it still comes up sometimes, but I, what I try to do is to just uh, to, is to respond as honestly as possible, mm-hmm. and I don't put any time constraints. I don't like intentionally not respond to have a reaction. Right. What if there was something that you saw and it seemed like more 
of an immediate situation, um, would you say, uh, even though this seems like a situation I should answer right now, it's going the next the next batch at eight. No, no, I would I respond mm-hmm. I respond to the time if I saw a time sensitive thing come through, I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good to know. <laughs> like you're very regimented in your time, um, and let's talk about porn. So you are very spiritual, you're very sexual, and you are comfortable with that. Um, I don't feel any spirituality in porn. Do you, um, because you're like so sexually advanced, do you feel like you're kind of like above porn in a way? Not above like as in better than, but meaning like it doesn't really do much for you or do you still enjoy porn? I enjoy porn sometimes. I don't, I don't watch it. I don't watch porn a lot, Mm -hmm. but when I do, I like it. Mm -hmm. For me, the way that I'm able to enjoy porn is by make, is by keeping it a treat. Mm. So like how often? Probably once every two months. Oh wow. That's a real treat. The the other thing is I don't, I keep my laptop at my office. Mm. So I very rarely. Your phone? I don't, that, that, no. Why? Why not? No. To what? Just not. It's too small. Doesn't feel right. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's just it's not the experience that I'm that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. So, but anyways, so when I do porn mm-hmm. and have it be the treat, I find it to be really nice. I do notice that if I watch porn right before I go to sleep, I don't sleep as well. Mm. And meaning like you have nightmares, or you just like can't, <laughs> can't like get back. Like you wake up throughout the night. No, I just don't feel as rested when mm-hmm. I wake up in the morning. And like throughout the night. <laughs> Nightmares of like good. plumbers coming to like <laughs> fuck you in the ass. Um, so what's your but routine like before porn. bed then? If it's not porn and like if you want to pleasure yourself before bed, which a lot of people like to do. Yeah. Um, I don't usually pleasure myself before bed. If I mm. masturbate, it'll happen in the morning. Mm. We spoke a little bit earlier about mm-hmm. some of my practices around that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have, I do have my practices for sure before I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called J time. It's mm. a real thing. That and you made up for yourself. I made it up for myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> and, um, do you want to know about it? Or? Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm ready. So I dim the, this is almost every night. Dim mm-hmm. the lights. Um. You dim the lights. Yeah. Big, big, big on light dimmers. Mm-hmm. Just in general, lighting, very important to mm-hmm. me. I dim the lights. I get a candle going. Um, I'll just, I'm, you know, I'll say it on the air. Recently, I've been really into face masks. Oh. Yeah. So I have a oh, I think I've seen you Insta story I've been, this. I've been posting about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been a nice way to get free product. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? People are sending you free, free face oh, masks? Yeah. No way. Sure. Are you tagging them? Sometimes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyone out there, if you want to. Send me free. Send him some uh, face masks. Skincare products. You know that's so funny because I actually don't like skin face masks, but maybe that goes back to the masculine energy. This is my feminine side. I would Mm -hmm. probably say Mm -hmm. coming out. Yeah. I've been into the Korean face masks lately, the sheet style. Mm. Um, Anyways, I have this new essential oil. I feel challenged speaking about this. This new <laughs> essential oil diffuser. Don't feel challenged. I, I make a, I make a blend oh. and let that go in the apartment. I do a foot soak. What do you mean let it go in the apartment? You ever use an oil diffuser? No. Oh. You, have you ladies? Is it like incense? No, it's 
it's like um, it's oils that come from like natural that come from good smelling products of the earth. Oh. You mix it with water and then it steams it into the room. Cool. It smells nice. It's really nice. Okay, so the oils. Anyways, we're almost done. No, um, please. Based I love, on the night, based on the night, I'll do a foot soak uh-huh. with some of the tangerine essential oil, uh-huh. and then um, I put on this robe that has my name in cursive. Oh, and really very nice. soft. Yeah. And then I'm ready to go to sleep. And um, <laughs> that's that's great. That's beautiful. And um, we usually like to and end our podcasts with a quote or like Can I ask a, you a quick question. Yeah, of course. Do you watch porn? I do, yeah. How often? As often as I can, yeah. And what do you do when you watch it? I usually masturbate, um, but sometimes I'll watch it like before masturbating, and then I'll masturbate. Do you use a, a toy? I don't use a toy, but um, shout out to Untamed. Is that what they're called? Unbound yep. Shout out to Unbound Babes because they just sent me um, an adorable little vibrator and then like another on-the-go vibrator, and I definitely will be trying them out. But I don't use my hands or a vibrator, actually. What do you use? Um, I, and I'm not the only one who does this, so I'm totally fine saying it because hopefully there are other women out there who um, resonate with it, but I actually hump things. And you know... Yeah. That was, I mean, I was a leading question because I know that you yeah. hump when you masturbate, but yeah. I thought it would be cool to share because no, I think it I is cool. Too, and yeah. I still hump sometimes. I still hump too. For sure. I think, so I actually have girlfriends who um, will, like, let's say their partner doesn't or isn't in the mood to have sex with them, or even if they are, um, they prefer um, or just like to hump their partner, like, instead of actually having mm. sex with them. Mm. Which to a finish is really point? Yeah, to a finish point. Um, so, like, I have a friend who is, is a lot more sexual than her partner. And when he, like, doesn't want to have sex, she humps his leg and uh, has an orgasm. Wow, what does he do? He literally just lays there. And she says <laughs> he's that like, it's... He's, like, on his phone or is he watching? Probably. It? He's, like, probably watching a game on his phone. And, like, <laughs> she is, like, humping his leg. And she says that, like, the masculine, like hairiness of like the leg and just like the circumference of it is just like the perfect like thing for her to hump wow that's so interesting yeah it is really interesting so if you're shout out to all the humpers yeah shout out to the humpers um hump day has a new meaning (laughs) but um so i love ending these episodes with like a philosophy that you've learned from your dating experience or just like a quote that you've picked up that you like um an example of one is like when someone shows you who they are pay attention the first time you know something like that Mm -hmm. um or maybe it's just like some words of wisdom that you can share um or anything along those lines sure Mm. recently i was communicating with somebody i was i was i was dming with somebody where there you know there had been some sort of like flirtation Mm -hmm. in the past and we were actually talking about your podcast. Mm-hmm. And in the conversation, this concept of slow, slow playing came up. Oh, oh no, of intentionally short responses came right. up. And um, what I communicated to this person was that um, what I find most sexy is when someone is just truly being honest in their right. communication when I'm getting to know someone. Um, and 
that's what I think is so important about that is when mm-hmm. somebody really reveals who they are, you just find out sooner rather than later if it's a fit or not. Right. So that's my thing is like how authentic can we show up when we're getting to know somebody yeah. so we don't waste anybody's time. Right. It's like the, like very often women and men will get into a relationship and they'll like be on their kind of best behavior. Exactly. And then like the real true person will come out like three months in um, and I think it's really important to just be your, whether it's your worst person or your best person from the start and just show as much of yourself as you can, which is, I think what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I, I, I've had so many issues with that in the past because failure mm-hmm. or not being able to win the person over or sleep with the person or whatever, like the right. objective has been in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, Failure of not being able to get to know the person in the way that right. I want feel like would feel so scary that mm-hmm. I would you know kind of manicure myself right. to best position to what I think they wanted right. and then get it and then you reach this point where you're like well I'm not fully being me right. and then the process of that is just you know totally a thing. Mm-hmm. So Thank you so much uh, for coming on. You're the best, and I'm just so happy to have gotten you on here to just share some of your wisdom that you picked up. Um, over your years and hopefully everyone will check out a medi club but only go if you've meditated before right everyone's welcome oh everyone's welcome Mm -hmm. um so but it's not a a class on learning how to meditate necessarily but um you hopefully can pick up on it because of all the great vibes in the room um so check that out follow the big quiet on instagram if you want to follow jesse on instagram jesse israel j-e-s-s-e Israel as in the country um, and you can slide into his DMs uh, just kidding actually sorry I just realized you're dating someone <laughs> um, and thank you guys so much for listening as always and have a beautiful day